Thank you, Lord. Lord, you are great. Lord, you are great and you are good. You are faithful. You are true. You are the stronghold of our life. The foundation of our life. It is you that we depend on. It is you that we run to. It is you that we cling to. Lord, you are everything to us. You are everything to us. Lord, remind us of that truth that you are our everything. Lord, our hope and our dependence is on you. And God, I pray that moments that we face like today would remind us of how great our dependence is on you. God, I pray that you would strip us of our self-reliance, strip us of our, of our belief, Lord, that, that we can make it on our own. Lord, press it into our hearts at a deeper level here today that we need you more than we ever thought that we did. Lord, forgive us for our self-reliance. Forgive us, Lord, for fooling ourselves into believing that we can do this life without your sustaining power each and every moment. Each and every moment, Lord, we need you. Each and every moment we're dependent. It is, it is your breath in our lungs. Each and every moment is dependent upon you. God, may it not just be something that we say. God, may it be something that we live, something that we believe to the depth of our being. God, we love you, Lord. And we do declare today that you are great. You are great. You are good. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. That is so good here today. That the faithfulness of God is our shield and our buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night. Have you been afraid in the middle of the night? When the Lord is our faithfulness and is our refuge, we will not fear the terror of the night when it comes to grip our heart nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hand they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. This is the Lord declaring to us as we hold fast to him. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. This is the word of the Lord here today. God, we thank you for this truth, the truth of your word. It is your word that is the sure foundation in our life. It is what we cling to and run to in times of uncertainty. God, I thank you, Lord, that your word speaks to us and reminds us that you are, you are our support, our faithfulness, our stronghold. 
our protector, our defender. Lord, we stand on your word. We cling to your word here today. God, I thank you for all those that are joining here this morning and all the homes that are represented here this morning. God, I pray that right now, as I pray, as I speak, God, I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would, would flood into their homes here this morning, that you would comfort, that you would heal, that you would restore, that you would bring hope here today. God, as moms and dads and, and brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and family members are gathered around in their living rooms watching right now, Lord, I pray that in this moment that you would remind them that you're good and you're faithful, that you'll never leave them, nor will you ever forsake them. God, I pray that you would help me today as I open your word, help me to communicate clearly from your word. Lord, it is your voice that we want to hear. Lord, we submit ourselves to your word here today. We pray that it would change our lives, change our perspective as we are living in unprecedented times. Let your word transform and wash our minds here today. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I would normally say you can be seated. But if you are standing, you can be seated in your living room here today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being here. This is very um, un- unusual as I was driving in this morning to come to church. It was a different feeling for me. It was um, a different thought thinking about the building and thinking about missing you, thinking about how the f- I, I, I love looking out into the seats and I love seeing your faces. I can see your faces right now. I can picture you. I can picture <laughs> each and every one of you. I can think about what it's like to preach God's word to you in person. And that's something that I miss, something that I'm going to miss. I don't know how long this is going to last. And I just want to encourage you to, to not lose sight of the fact that when we do gather here in this building, it is so precious and it is so beautiful. And we will be back here today all together as one body. And I'll be able to look at you again. I'll be able to, to hug your neck again. Shake your hand again. And, and we'll be able to fellowship with one another again in person. But right now, we're, it's not what we're doing. You're in your living room. You're with your family. You're with, you're with your friends. And we're here. We're going to open up God's word. And I just want to tell you that if you, if you go to the YouVersion Bible app, the notes for my sermon are on the YouVersion Bible app. And so you can, you can um, find them there. And so... It should be under the live tab there. So if you, if you just go under the live tab on the YouVersion Bible app and look for our church, for Living Word Church, you can find my sermon notes. You can follow along like you normally do when you're here on Sundays. I'm trying to find my notes on my iPad here. They are not here. Where are they? Here we go. This is not supposed to happen live. It wouldn't be a sermon if I didn't have something like this happen to me. So here we go. We're going to go back to paper. Um, so as I was thinking about what, what I needed to share here in this unusual season, thinking about what would be important for us to focus on, I thought about going back to David, thought about going uh, continue our David series, and I just didn't have a piece in my heart that that was the right direction for us as a church And as I was praying and spending time with the Lord trying to decide what would be the best direction for our church, I felt like that it would be important for us to think about Jesus. Be important for us to to place our focus on Christ. And, And when you think about times of uncertainty and you think about times that are overwhelming and difficult, it is those times that we need to see Christ the the clearest. It's in those moments that we need to recognize him and see him for who he is in his beauty and his majesty, but in his authority and in his power. And this is what scripture shows us. As you go through scripture, you can see Christ in the gospels clearly as he walked the earth and, and he ministered for three and a half years. And we could have gone to the gospels, but as I thought about where do we want to see Christ and study Christ, I thought about the book of Colossians. And in the book of Colossians, 
We see high theology about Christ. We see Christ in his power and in his majesty. And and the church at Colossae, when this book was written by the Apostle Paul, the church was under persecution. And false teachers had infiltrated into the church at Colossae. And they were, the false teachers were preaching a false message about Christ. They were trying to, they were trying to convince and trying to infiltrate the church and, and, and preach messages about Christ that were not true, trying to say that Christ came in the flesh, but he wasn't really God. That he wasn't fully God, he was just a, a, a man that walked the earth. And they also were trying to point away from the sufficiency of Christ and his salvation and what, and what he came to accomplish on the cross. And, and, and they were trying to incorporate uh, 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 um, rules and regulations from the old covenant. And they were pointing away from the sufficiency of Christ. This is what these false teachers were doing. So Paul writes to the church at Colossae and he says, I want to tell you who Christ is. I want to remind you who Christ is is that he wasn't just a man but that he was God he was the God man fully God and fully man walking the earth and that he came and he died on the cross and he rose from the grave and he is ruling in authority and power and that there is nothing else that needs to be added to your Christian life except Christ alone And this is what I want us to look at. I want us to look at Christ alone in this series. We're going to go through the whole book. It's going to take several weeks. We'll go through this book, and we're going to look at Christ. And so this morning, we're going to look at the introduction to the book of Colossians, verses 1 through 8. And I've titled the message here, Faith, Hope, Love, and Increasing Fruit. Faith, Hope, Love, and Increasing Fruit. So let's go to the text. Let's look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, and we're going to see some powerful things here in this introduction that Paul's giving to the church at Colossae. It says here, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the, of the, of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it, is also, as it also does among you. Since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. So as we look at these eight verses of this introduction, I really see four fundamentals that are reflected in the life of a church that is centered on Christ alone. I see four fundamentals in these eight verses that are, that are reflected in the life of a believer or in the life of a church that is centered on Christ alone. The reality that Christ is our all in all. The reality that Christ is our sufficiency. The reality that it is Christ alone for salvation. I see four fundamentals in these eight verses, just in this introduction that the Apostle Paul gives. Four things that should be reflected in our life as individuals and as a church when we are centered on Christ. And so here, here's the first one that I see here this morning. And you see in the introduction is that our faith is in, our faith in Christ is heard. Our faith in Christ is heard. Look back at the text there that I just read in verse 3. This is what Paul says. I always, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. It says that their faith, their belief in Christ was heard, that the news had traveled. And so I want to break down this point here kind of in two thoughts here. First of all, he says that their faith is in Christ. Their faith is in Christ. And so this is the foundation of our faith. Our faith is not in our works. Our faith is not in our ability to earn our salvation. Our faith is, is, is not in man. Don't you understand that here today? We understand it more now than ever, don't we? That our faith is not in our president. 
Our faith is not in a president to save us. Our faith is, is, not, is not in government to save us. Our faith is not in the money that they may send us here in a few weeks. Our faith for salvation, our faith to be born again is not in any human. It's not in anything that we can do. Our faith is in Christ alone for salvation. And this is what the Apostle Paul is saying to the church at Colossae. I've heard of your faith in Christ, in his work of redemption. This is the foundation of our faith. We do not place our faith in our good works. Look at Romans 5. Look at what it says here in Romans 5. And you all know it. I've read it many times. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Who, who did Christ come to die for? For the ungodly. For you and for me as ungodly humans. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to even die. But God shows his love. And some translations say it there that God demonstrates his love. And I love that picture that God demonstrated his love. And he wanted to demonstrate his love. This is what he did. He demonstrates his love for us in that while we were sinners, he died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were, we, we shall be, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We've been saved by Christ alone. We've been reconciled by Christ alone. We've been redeemed by Christ alone. We've been justified by Christ alone. And we will be glorified by Christ alone. This is what Paul is saying to the church at Colossae. You are centered. Your faith is centered in Christ for your salvation. And I've heard it. I've heard it. News has traveled. When we have been saved, it, is, it has been because of the grace of God. You remember in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through what? Through faith. Through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one can boast. We can't boast in our salvation. We can't boast in something that we didn't accomplish. You can't save yourself from your own sins. Only God can save you from your sins. And so, so it's, it's apart from works. So no one can boast. It is the work of God. Now, let's transition here. Now, notice what Paul said. Let's go back to the text there. It says, it says since we heard of your faith in Christ. He says that that faith in Christ alone was heard. That faith in Christ alone was heard. Isn't that powerful? As Paul is in prison, word has traveled to him. That, the, that the, the church of Colossae is filled with faith in Christ. That their foundation is faith in Christ, not their own works, not their own doing. And Paul is saying, I've heard about your faith. News of your conversion has traveled. And isn't that, isn't that the way it should be in our lives? That the news of our salvation should travel have you ever heard the phrase that bad news travels fast? Isn't that true today? Isn't that so true today? Bad news travels fast. If you're watching the news here today, all you're getting is bad news. Well, I want to flip the script. This is what I want to say here today, that good news should travel faster. Good news should travel faster. If bad news travels fast, good news should travel faster. And this is what the Apostle Paul is saying to the church at Colossae. He's saying, he's saying I've heard the news of your conversion and, and of your faith in Christ. It has reached me. It's come all the way to me. And I've heard the testimonies of somebody that was dead in their sin, but now is alive in Christ. I've heard the testimony of somebody that, 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 that did not want anything to do with Christ, but now they are following and they are bold in their faith and they're bold in their witness. Our faith in Christ must be heard. Maybe you've had somebody ask you the question after you've become a Christian, and people in your life, they, they, they knew you in a certain way before you followed Christ. And, and you became born again. You got saved. You got radically changed. And maybe somebody asked you the question, what, what happened to you? What happened to you? And why do they ask that question? Why do people look at your life as a believer? 
and they've seen you before and then they see you now and they see the transformation. Why is it that they ask what has happened to you? It's because they are hearing something different. It's because they are seeing something different. They're looking at your life and they're, you're not talking like you used to talk. You're not acting like you used to act. You're, you're, it's because you're transformed. It's because you're changed. And the news of your conversion, it has traveled wherever you go. And this is what Paul is saying to the church, that your faith in Christ has traveled. And so some, some people may ask the question, some people may, some people may, may, may say this, the, the question is not this. Here, here, here's how I can frame it here this morning. The, the question is not, will a transformed life produce the fruit that, of that transformation? The question is not, will a transformed life produce the fruit of that transformation? The question is this, can someone rightfully claim to be transformed by Christ if they show no evidence of that transformation? The answer is no. That when we are transformed by Christ, the news is going to travel. The people will hear. People will see. Do you remember the, the, the parable Jesus tells in Matthew 13 about the parable of the sower? He likens the kingdom of God to a sower who goes out to sow seed. And he describes different paths that the seed would fall on. And those different paths are reflected in the heart of man. Different types of soil. And you have, you have the path that the soils, the, the, the concrete path or the dirt path that the seed is sown on, and it has no root, and it bears no fruit. Then you have the rocky ground, and you have the, 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 the soil that is among thorns. But in Matthew 13, there's only one soil that really produces fruit. And here's what it says in Matthew 13. As for what was sown on good soil. This is a one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. And in one case, a hundredfold, in another 60, and in another 30. So here's a picture of Matthew 13. Here's a picture of what Paul is telling the church at Colossae, that, that the news of your faith will travel. It will indeed, as it says in Matthew 13, it will indeed bear fruit, and it will yield a harvest for others to hear, for others to see, for others to recognize. And this is the foundation, my brothers and sisters. This is the foundation of our faith. It is in Christ alone that does the work in our heart that transforms us and produces a life that people can look at in the middle of chaos, in the middle of uncertainty, in the middle of fear in our culture today. They can look at you and they can look at me and they can see a life that has been transformed. Our faith is in Christ alone for salvation. And that salvation will produce transformation in our heart And that heart transformation will produce such radical lifestyle changes that the news will travel far and wide. Amen? That is the truth of the gospel. And now, a part of that transformation, let's go back to the text here. Here's the second thing that we see, a second fundamental element of a church, of a Christian, that is centered on Christ alone. Here's the second thing, is that our love for each other is evident. Our faith in Christ will be heard. And our love for the brothers and the sisters will be evident. Our love for each other will be evident. Let's go back to the text. It says, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and he also heard something else. He heard of the love that you have for all the saints. You know, this is so important. We do have a love for the world. We're called to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, making disciples. That's what we're called to do. We're called to love the world as Christ loves the world. But what is the Apostle Paul saying to the church at Colossae? He's saying that the, the, the word about your faith has traveled and it's been heard, but also that your love for the saints has been heard. It is evident that you love one another. A church that is centered on Christ alone will have people who demonstrate the transforming power of the gospel in their life. And one of the ways in which that transformation is evidence is in the way in which we love each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. This is what Paul is saying. I love this. He says, he says I've heard about your faith. But one of the premier evidences of faith in Christ is that you love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Wow, think about that. Of all the things that Paul could say in his greetings, of all the things that he could say, that he could talk about, 
about what is heard. He could say, I heard about your charitable deeds into the community. I heard about how you've been enduring persecution. I've heard about how, how you are standing firm in the faith that you, don't, that you don't tolerate false doctrine. What did he say? I've heard about your faith in Christ and I heard that you love your brothers and sisters in Christ. May that be so of us here today. In our, even though we're, we're, we're fragmented, we're separated, you're in your living room, probably in your pajamas. Are you in your pajamas right now? You're drinking coffee? I can't have coffee. All I got is water, lukewarm water. You're probably drinking nice coffee right now. Are, 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 are you eating right now? <laughs> probably so. We are fragmented. We're separated. We're in many different places right now. But you know what we need to be known for? Our love for each other our love for each other and what is the center of that love the center of that love is the truth of the gospel it is the truth of the gospel look at look at what john 13 says 34 through 35 a new commandment i give to you that you love one another just as i have loved you you also are to love one another by this all people will know that you are my disciples. <laughs> I just, that just is so amazing. <laughs> Think about that for a second. I, this flips our theology in so many ways on its head. Look at what John is saying. Look at what Jesus is saying in the gospel of John. Our Lord, look what he's saying in John 13. He says, by this will all people know that you are my disciples. How are people going to know that you're my disciples? Because of, of, of the feeding programs you do, because of all the good things you do in the community, are they going to know that you're my disciples by, by the fact that, that you're living like Christ? Yeah, those are ways in, in, in which that people will see the fruit of our salvation, yes. But he, Jesus highlights and says that the way in which we love one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another if there is any time my brothers my sisters if there's any time that we need to love each other in the body of christ it is now it is now now is not the time for fighting and jealousy now is not the time for fighting over our individual beliefs about secondary doctrines you hear me now is not the time for division surrounding secondary doctrines in our life today. Now is the time for us to unify around what is essential to the furtherance of the gospel. This is why we need unity. We need unity not around the things that we like about church, the things that we believe from the Bible that are secondary and, 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 and third level doctrines. We need unity and love that centers us together around the core of the gospel. Because it is that message that this world so desperately needs. So why is it important that we love one another? Why is Jesus saying it's important? It's important so that we can come together and preach the gospel. What is, what's the gospel? The gospel of Jesus Christ is centered around the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And we all know it, right? At least we should know it. Jesus died to take our place. He died to be our substitute, to pay the penalty for our sin. The sin that the penalty of that sin that we all deserve, and that penalty is death, for the wages of sin is death. He absorbed the wrath of God on our behalf. But then on the third day, he rose again, thereby defeating death, hell, and the grave. Victoriously risen from the dead. And now he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he's commissioned us to go with the message of the gospel about his death, about his burial, and about his resurrection. And the fact that all those who place their faith in that message, the message of the gospel, they can be born again and made alive, according to Romans 10, 9 and 10. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes. That's where belief starts, right? It's in the heart. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. 
So if you're here today and you happen to be listening to this and you're not a part of our church family, you're catching this online, on YouTube, live stream, wherever you're watching this, that can be true of you here today. You can believe in Christ today. In the fact that he took the punishment that you deserve on the cross, the reality that you are a sinner in need of a savior and that you can't save yourself and that apart from the finished work of the cross that you are under the judgment of God. You can believe in what he did for you on the cross and you can place your faith in that and in the reality of his resurrection and according to the scripture I just read in Romans 10. If you believe it in your heart and you confess it with your mouth, you can be born again right now, live stream, wherever you are. Pastor, then that, my my brothers and sisters, is what we unify around. This is why it's important that we love one another. This is the good news we center around. During difficult times like these, this is the anchor that we cling to. It's time for us to be known for our belief in the gospel, not our peripheral views. Hear me today. It is time for us to be known as a church. There's churches all over this community. There's churches all over this nation, all over this world, and they are known for their peripheral views. And they camp out on their secondary doctrines, and they make that the priority of their church. Oh, I long for the day that we will have churches that will focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. That's where unity is found. And that's where we need to be. This is what the world needs to hear. They need to hear a church that loves one another, that supports one another, a church that is unified around the primary mission of the church, which is what? Go. Go into all the world and preach the good news of the gospel. This is the center of our love. The gospel is the center of our love. You know, Jesus prays for us. Scripture tells us he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And he prays for us. And we get a glimpse of what that prayer looks like in John 17. Jesus is praying to the Father. And he says this in John 17, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me Wow. (laughs) That's so profound. How's the world going to believe that Jesus was sent when his church is one about kingdom business? The glory that you've given me, I've given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I and them and you and me that they may become perfectly one. So that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. What are the fundamentals of a church that's centered on Christ alone? Our faith in Christ is heard. And our love for each other is heard. Let's go back to the text. Here's the third fundamental, the third element in this introduction to the book of Colossians. Let's go back to the text. It says there since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. And of the love you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Did you hear that? All this is centered around the hope of heaven. Because of our faith in Christ and the love we have for one another, we have an eternal hope. And this is the third anchor point. This is the third fundamental that is evident, the third fundamental thing that is evident in our life as believers and as a church is that our hope is eternal. Our faith in Christ is heard. Our love for each other is evident. And our hope is eternal. And where we stand today, in our world today, the current situation we're facing today, this is never more true than, than, than what we're experiencing right now. Is as believers in Jesus Christ, the worst that can happen to us is that we get to see Jesus. I want you to think about that here today. We don't fear death as believers in Jesus Christ. We don't fear death because the worst that can happen to us is that we'll go to heaven because our faith is in Christ. 
to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Paul, Paul said to, to live as Christ, to die is gain. We live in a world today that to die is not gain. And we live in a world today right now that everyone is afraid of death because they have no hope after death. And this is what separates. This is a fundamental element that separates me and you and all believers in this world today. This is what separates us from the rest of the world. That yes, we should be worried about the virus. And we don't want people to needlessly die. But the core of who we are as believers is settled in the reality that our life, as I preached last week, belongs to God. And that our hope is eternal. And I can die as a believer. But it is not the end of me. It is merely the beginning of me. It is merely the beginning of eternity. Of worshiping our Lord. This reality is what separates the believer in Jesus Christ from everyone else in the world. Our hope is not in this world. This world is passing away. It's fading away. This world is not eternal. One day this world, this world will burn up one day. And God will create a new heavens and a new earth as we see in scripture. First John chapter 2 says this, do not love the world. Why are people so clinging to the world right now? Why is their world upside down right now? Because they are clinging. Their every, listen, their everything is the world. Their everything is the world. So when their everything is being tempted to be stripped away from them, they have no solid foundation to stand on. Because they love the world. Apostle John tells us, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Listen, verse 17. And the world is what? It's passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. How do you do the will of God? You submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's how you do the will of God. You do, you do the will of God. The, the most ultimate part of God's will is that you would declare Jesus as your Savior here today. And those who do the will of God will abide forever. The world is passing away, but those who do the will of God will abide forever. Our hope is not in this world. The world in which we live in is ruled by false gods. The God of money crumbled, crumbling. The God of pleasure, we got nothing to do. The God of sports, where are they? The God of information, we, are, we worship at the altar of information here today. The God of power, people in positions of power, these are our false gods. All of these false gods that our present world revolves around are being proved out for all to see to be false sources of comfort and stability. They're being proved out for all to see that they're false sources. The things we we would run to. Run to temporary pleasures. Run to the things of this world. People run after separating themselves from the realities that they face every day. Why? Because they have no hope that is eternal. Their hope is only temporary. Look at 1 Timothy 6, 17. As for the rich in this present age, which would be all of us, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Isn't that what people do? They set their hopes on all the things that they have, right? I know I have this, and I know I have that, and I know I can count on this, and, and, and this reality in my life is secure, and we have all these things that we think we can count on, and what What does Paul tell Timothy to urge the church at Ephesus? He tells them, as for those that are rich in this present age, charge them to not set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, of things that we accumulate in our life. But where should we set our hope on? He says, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. And I want to speak to us as believers here today. If we're not careful... We can buy into the same lie the world buys into. And this is why we can be tempted to be fearful during times like this because we have done the same thing. Because we have set our hope in the temporary things that the world surrounds their life with. 
We can be tempted to live the same way that the world lives, to think the same way that the world thinks. But we are not of this world. Our hope is not in temporary things. If we're not careful, we can forget that our hope is not in the abundance of our possessions. And if we aren't learning this by now, we're going to continue to learn it. Our hope is not in our abundance of possessions. Jesus tells a parable about a rich fool. I love this. I just want to read this parable. It speaks for itself. See if you can see our world today in this parable. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentiful. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. Because he had so much. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool! This night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Wow, is that not exactly where we are in our world today? I'm going to store up all that I can store up and I'm going to keep funding my 401k and I'm going to put away in all of my savings and I'm going to stockpile and collect and I'm going to sit back. I'm going to build bigger barns and store more things. I'm going to sit back. I'm going to relax. I'm going to say, oh, soul, eat, drink, be merry for everything is okay. All of my hopes are in the things that I've accumulated and things that I possess and my ability and my power to sustain myself. And, and what does Jesus say about that person? He says, oh, fool. One day, your life will be required of you. One day, the time will come where you will have to give account for your life. And then what are you going to do with all your stuff? It's not going to give you anything. And he says, let's go back to the text there. He says this. He says, so is the one who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. This is what we need today. As believers in Jesus Christ, we need to be reminded that we're rich towards God. No matter how much money you have in your savings, no matter how secure or insecure you think your job is, no matter what's going on around us, the most important thing in our life here today is that we are rich towards God. That we aren't, our hope is not in the abundance of our riches and our possessions or our ability to stay alive. That our hope is in the fact that if we die, we are rich towards God. Our hope is not in temporary things. It is eternal. Listen to the rich fool here today. I will have ample goods stored up for years. Relax. This is a perfect picture of a person who has completely placed their hope in temporary earthly things. What does scripture tell us? First Thessalonians 4. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, who have died. That you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, this is the gospel, he died and he rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. That's what we encourage one another with. The reality that our hope is eternal. Our, our faith in Christ is heard. Our love for one another as brothers and sisters in Christ is evident. And our hope is eternal. 
We need to know that here today. You need to be reminded of that here today. Wherever you are here today, whatever you're going through here today, you need to, you need to look at Christ. You need to look at your eternal hope. You need to be reminded that though this present world can fade completely away, though you can lose everything that you own, if you have Christ, you have everything. If you have Christ, you have everything. Let's conclude here. Let's look at this last section. Let's go back to the text in Colossians chapter 1. Paul continues his introduction, his greetings. He said, Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. So what's the fourth thing, the fourth fundamental we see in this introduction that is evident in the life of a believer and in in the life of a church that is centered on Christ? The fourth evidence is this, is that our witness is bearing fruit. Our witness bears fruit. And this is what Paul is saying about the gospel. The gospel, it is bearing fruit. It is increasing. It is increasing. So here's the fundamentals. Our faith in Christ is heard. Our love for each other is evident and our hope is eternal and our witness is bearing fruit. The gospel will bear fruit. And this should be evident in our life personally as well as a church. That wherever we go, wherever we carry the gospel, it will bear fruit because the power is not in us. It's in the message. It's in the gospel. It's in the good news. The gospel cannot be stopped. The gospel cannot be stopped. You know, the first message I preached here at Living Word Church on a Sunday. First message I preached here at Living Word on a Sunday was in 2013. And I wore a jacket that was two sizes too big for me. Every time I go back and look at that video, I think, who? I mean, where did I get that? It was floating on me. The first message I preached was called the unstoppable gospel. The unstoppable gospel. And I talked about how the apostle Paul was in prison. I talked about how that even in prison, wherever Paul went, he declared the gospel of Jesus Christ and the gospel could not be stopped. The gospel is like the weeds that grow up in the cracks of your driveway that no matter how much weed killer you try to put on it, it comes back, doesn't it? That's the gospel. It's unstoppable. It, it's ever living. It's ever producing. It cannot be stopped. Look at what the Apostle Paul says as I reference that in Philippians 1. So what he says, in prison, chained to a Roman soldier, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. What's he saying there? He's saying that all the persecutions, all the toil, all the struggle, even my chains right now under house arrest, chained to, chained to a Roman soldier, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has actually served to do what to the gospel? To advance it, to advance it, to push it forward, to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Gospel can't be stopped. The gospel can't be stopped. Wherever brothers and sisters are, the gospel can't be stopped. In your living room, the gospel can't be stopped. In this building, the gospel can't be stopped. They can close the doors. They can stop us from meeting. But the gospel cannot be stopped. Why? Because wherever you go, because your, your, your faith in Christ is evident, it's heard, it's seen, wherever you go, you bring the gospel. And the gospel cannot be stopped. Hope in, in the gospel cannot be stopped. Look at Second. Timothy 2, 8 and 9. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. The offspring of David as preached in my gospel for which I am suffering bound with chains as a criminal. Picture it. Paul's bound with chains as a criminal. And don't we kind of feel bound by chains right now? I feel that way a, a little bit right now. I feel like, man, they're stopping us from gathering. We can't gather. Maybe it would get to the point. And it's a good thing we're not gathering because we don't want to spread this virus. But maybe it will get to a point where they actually say we can't meet. We're coming. We will get to that day in our society at some point, either in my lifetime or someone else's. In chains. Look at the next verse says, but the word of God is not bound. Can't be stopped. It cannot be stopped. And this is the pillar. This is a fundamental of a church that's centered on Christ alone. Our 
message, the message of the gospel is bearing fruit. It will always bear fruit. The word of God is not bound. It can't be chained up and made to be ineffective. It cannot be made to be ineffective. The gospel is unstoppable. The coronavirus can't stop it. Our fear can't stop it. Our anxiety can't stop it. Our worry can't stop it. Government can't stop it. It can't be stopped. Because it is a message that transcends time and space. It is a message that transcends all. Because it is about a God who is transcendent, who is exalted, who is risen, who is seated at the right hand of God right now. He is exalted. And he has defeated all. And that is why his message of hope and redemption and reconciliation can never be stopped. And when you hold that message in your heart, wherever you go, it cannot be stopped. Jesus is the center of all that we do. And this is why I wanted to be in Colossians here during this season. Is I want to remind us all here today that Jesus is the center of all we do. He's the center of why we're still live streaming. He's the center of the, of, the, of the things that we, of the articles that we write, of the messages we preach. He's the center of our relationships and our family. He's the center of our marriage, the center of our relationship with our kids. He's the center of our life. He's the center of all that we do as believers in Jesus Christ. And we need to continually look to Christ. So I want to encourage you here today. You have a hope that's eternal. You have a faith in Christ that has transformed you. And wherever you go, it is seen. And this love that we have for one another that is so necessary here today, because I, you know, I don't know what life's going to look like. I don't know what it's going to look like as it unfolds, but I'm not afraid. I'm not scared. I'm not. Because my trust is in Christ. But whatever it looks like, we need each other. It may get to the point where we're all we have. We need each other. And what is the center of that love we have to have for each other? Not the things that we don't like about each other, that you know, I believe this and you believe that. No. The center of our love for each other is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's why, it's why we gather when we gather on Sundays. Don't forget that, brothers and sisters, my family. Don't forget that. When we come here on Sundays and when we get back to this, how beautiful that is. And why is it, why is it that you're gathering all around in your homes right now? It's because of your love for Christ. And that love for Christ, when this doors, when these doors become open, that love for Christ and the centrality of the gospel is going to motivate you to bust through those doors, to come and sit in these seats, for us to lift our hands together in worship. And we will hear each other sing. I'll hear my brother over here to my right. And I'll hear my sister over here to my left. And I'll hear you lift up your voices in worship. And it will encourage my soul. And I'll hug your neck and I'll shake your hand. And I'll be reminded that Christ is the center of our life and the center of our love. And I'll look, at you at, I'll look out at you again. And I'll see your faces. And I'll know your stories. And I'll be reminded of how powerful God is. And that there's nothing that can stop what he's begun. And I believe with all of my heart that the greatest days for the church are ahead. There's no devil in hell. There's no coronavirus. There's no government that can stop the church. No, nobody can. Because the Lord of the church promised that he will build his church and that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus is the center of all we do. And we must keep this as the primary aim of our lives individually and as a church. And I want to end with this before we take communion here and we end with communion. I want to read these lyrics to the song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus thought about singing it but that would probably ruin the moment so I'm just going to read it it says this turn your eyes upon Jesus look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace turn your eyes to the hillside where justice and mercy embraced where the son of God gave his life for us 
and our measureless debt was erased. Jesus, to you we lift our eyes. Jesus, our glory and our prize. We adore you, behold you, our Savior ever true. Oh, Jesus, we turn our eyes to you. Turn your eyes to the morning and see Christ, the lion, awake. What a glorious dawn. Fear of death is gone, for we carry his life in our veins. Turn your eyes to the heavens. Our king will return for his own. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will shout all glory to Jesus alone. So now if you have the elements of communion here with you today, we want to thank God. We want to be reminded of what he's done for us. We want to center on the reality of the gospel here today. Isn't this beautiful? I'm believing that there are many, many people all around right now in homes with their families. And you've got, maybe you got some orange juice. Maybe you didn't have time to to go get grape juice. You got some apple juice, some orange juice. Maybe you got Dr. Pepper, I don't know. But you got something to recognize, to symbolize the blood of Christ. And you've got a cracker, a piece of bread. How beautiful this is. Even though we're separate, what this represents as we've been talking about this morning, is the center of the gospel. It's the cross of Christ. This is what it means. It means that this blood, what it means is, is that this blood represents his death. That because he died on the cross and spilled his blood, we can have redemption and forgiveness of sins. And this bread, this cracker, what this represents is his body that was broken for us. It represents the fact that his body was broken, was, was beaten for us, His broken body is representative of the fact that he absorbed the wrath of God on our behalf. And so when we look at the blood and we look at the bread, this is what we remember, that he did this for us. And this is the unifying factor of our faith, the body and the blood of Christ. So let's take a moment with your family. Take a moment here. Let's thank God for his broken body and for his life, for his blood that was shed for us. God, we thank you for your body that was broken for us, beaten for us, wounded for us. We thank you that in your body you absorb the wrath of God on our behalf. And we don't take that lightly. And we examine our hearts and we submit to you. God, we ask, God, that we would not lose the wonder of the work of the cross and a body broken for us. So, Lord, we take this quack cracker, this wafer, and we do it in remembrance of you today. God, we thank you for what this juice represents. It represents your blood shed for us for the remission and the forgiveness of our sins. That because you lay down your life for us, we can be forgiven and we can be cleansed. As far as the east is from the west, when we place our faith in Christ, that's how far you will remove our transgressions from us. And so, Lord, we take this juice and we do it in remembrance of you. right. I love you. I miss you. But this has been good. I love sharing my heart with you and opening God's word. And we're going to do it next week. I, I, I don't know how long these restrictions are going to last and what's going to exactly happen. But be in prayer for those that are sick. Be in prayer for the, for the medical workers that are on the front lines fighting this, this virus and trying to help others. Be in prayer for our president. Be in prayer for our governor, for our lead, the leaders of our country, that they would have wisdom. And be in prayer for one another. Encourage one another. We have our Caring for the Flock page tab on our website. 
If you go, it's the front tab on our website. It's on the front page. You'll see it top right corner, caring for the flock. This, this caring for the flock page is intended for. We'll have a, when you go to that page, we'll have a, a, a button there that you can press at the bottom that you'll be able to give us information. And it's intended for you to let us know about difficulties in your life that you're going through that we don't know about, whether it's you're sick or you, you, you're in the hospital, or, you, or, or, or if it's a brother and sister in Christ that's sick or in the hospital, or if a loved one has passed and, and we, we just don't know about it because we haven't heard word, this is an easy way for you to go to that tab. Let us know. So as pastors, we will look at that, and we'll be able to pray for you, and then we'll be able to reach out to you and see if we can help in, in any way. So I just encourage you at this time, if you want us to know about something going on in your life, go to the Caring for the Flock page on our website. Well, Lord, we we end this service today thanking you for your goodness. And I thank you for your word and what it does to center us on what matters most. And God, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ that are scattered throughout our, our, our community and throughout the world. I pray that you would strengthen us today to stand in the middle of this time and to not be fearful. God, I pray a blessing over your people here today. Bless them, protect them provide for them. Lord, I know that many are worried about their hours and their finances. God, I pray that you would provide for them here today, that they would have what they need to take care of themselves and their family. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you. I'll see you next week.